You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is ESPN Radio's Barton Hahn Podcast. Busy day in sports, as it always seems to be, when I'm with Amber Wilson on the radio. This is Bart and Han on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and wherever you listen on your smart speakers alongside Am- Amber Wilson. I am Michael Rothstein, and we're filling in for Bart and Han today. Bart and Han, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. And our program today is also brought to you by Peacock, presenting the new original limited series, The Best Man. The final chapter is from the creator of The Best Man and The Best Man Holiday and executive producer of Insecure. That's streaming now only on Peacock. And Amber, one of the things that I'm most interested in, and maybe it's because I've covered a lot of bad football over the years, uh, from Virginia to Notre Dame to Michigan to the Lions and now to the Falcons, have now covered many winning seasons, is mm-hmm. what happens when your post, you know you're not going to the postseason. What happens when it's done? And over the years, I've gotten to know a few players in the NFL, and one of them is 10-year NFL vet Brandon Copeland, who has been kind enough to join us now for a few minutes to talk about the NFL, and so many other things. Brandon, thank you for taking some time today. Happy belated holidays, my man. Man, happy holidays to you all. I appreciate you guys having me. What a, what a great question as well. So let's start here. Uh, what is it like for an NFL player when you know the playoffs are done and you're quote-unquote playing out the string? Like how We hear all the coach speak, right? Like, got to play to win, got to do all that. How does a player actually handle that? And does that change over the course of your career? Yeah, I think, it. well, one, I'll, I'll caveat, obviously, like you said, every player is different. Two, it also depends on where you are in your career, right? So you got a big contract here coming up. You close on these stats. Well, first and foremost, when you step on the football field as a player, you should be giving you 100% all the time, right? Um, depending on where you are in your career, hey, I need to finish this drill. I need to get this thing right. I need to go into the contract year. And you also understand in the NFL, every piece of film is being evaluated. So how you finish the last year is giving you leverage into the next season. So I think on the field, it's important to finish strong. And I think most players are, are like that, right? Um, obviously, you got your guys who are trying to coast and get through because they don't want to get hurt before the big contract year. But that's another that's a, a story for a separate time. I think the the other dichotomy of it is it's for the first time um, you actually can plan for the first time in a long time, a long period of time, you actually can plan. You know, some some off season things, whether it be vacation, whether it be relaxation, whether it be catching up time with the family. So again, a lot of those things start happening right around this time and and you know there's some players who like to hey let me just finish through the season nothing else has changed and that's okay but there's other players who are also you know more developed you got you know family things like that hey we know the season is ending on this date what does it look like for us to pack up leave the city what does it look like for us to get our kids back to home or wherever it may be so it's a number of different things that can happen for players but i think the biggest thing is mentally there is a flip that uh, a switch that's flipped um, on and off the field, but it doesn't mean you take your foot off of the gas pedal on, on the football 
backfield because you know that can also lead to a, a worse, a bad injury. So, Brandon, that's how you keep your mind right if you're not going to make the playoffs and you know it here down the stretch. What about like a situation right now in Denver where it's just been a complete disaster of a season as a player? How do you block out that noise for like the second half of an entire season when you know the writing's on the wall and they, in fact, just fired their coach and they have multiple games left to play? Yeah, I think I mean, I can speak for me if if, if it's me. Uh, one, you probably will see a lot of the guys, uh, if you haven't already, see a lot of the guys that they're testing and trying out for, for next year getting reps, right? I think that now you look at it as live tryouts. Uh, honestly, it's, it's a, a, a more glorified, uh, a higher-paid preseason game, honestly, right? Um, the, the You understand that the folks in that front office, they're – seeing who they can bank on next year, who's going to come back next spring, who are they going to pay in the offseason, who are they going to get rid of in the offseason. And you also know all the other 31 teams are, are looking at that film as well. So, again, I don't think as a player you can take your foot off the gas pedal. There's also players who wouldn't be getting a shot if you were in the playoff race who are probably getting a shot right now, again, as the, the team is vetting through the roster. And so, again, for that player, you are – Every player should be amped for the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? So I think even from a guy like Russell Wilson, he's got a lot to prove at this point, right, Um, as as wild as that sounds. Uh, So, again, I think as players, you are still locking in on the game. Um, I think you are taking – you know, you got to judge practice at this point in the season – how you do it, right, in, in the sense of, you know, there's a lot of guys who you have to taper off just because your body is worn out at this point of the season and you don't want to be – you want to save it all up for Sunday because you understand that, hey, the coaches that are coaching you today, they might not be here two weeks, three weeks from now, right? So I'm not going to give you everything in practice because I know on Sunday that's when I got to provide for myself and my family. We're talking a 10-year NFL vet, Brandon Copeland. And Brandon, you were with the Ravens for a few weeks this year. That's been your last NFL stop. What do you make of what's going on there? And how, how do you think things are going to shake out maybe with Lamar Jackson? Because you were, you've been inside that locker room. You know what that's like. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, honestly, I can say with without hesitation, Lamar Jackson is one of the greatest athletes. I think all of us can say that without hesitation. One of the greatest athletes I've ever seen or played with, and I've played with the Megatron, right? Um, you know, Haloti Nada was an amazing athlete. Lamar Jackson, the way he made, he, he made a freakishly athletic movements seem like walk through to him, like it was just jogging, like it was just complete third nature, not even second nature, third nature. Um, What's happening in that locker room right now, you know, I I think that obviously he's got to heal up, get healthy um, so that he can make a a nice playoff run. Uh, But I think that everybody in the locker room is probably, you know, honestly praying that he gets healthy. You know, I think that the team has a a huge amount of talent. Um, Obviously, there are certain positions where, you know, the media and people have tried to detract from it. But I think that ultimately – the Baltimore Ravens are never out of any game, you know, and a lot of the games that they lost on the uh, initial uh, opening stretch, you know, they were up by 20 some points. So they're, they're definitely a contender, but they're a contender when everyone is healthy. And so I think that everybody right now is is just praying uh, that Lamar uh, can come back, you know, in prime Lamar Jackson uh, shape and and stature and i hope that that gives them a chance to you know make an exciting run this this playoff season
Yeah, they would certainly need a healthy Lamar in order to do that. Ten-year NFL vet Brandon Copeland joining us here on Barton Hahn. Brandon, you also played in New York, and Michael and I were talking earlier in the show about the situation with the New York Jets with Zach Wilson. Uh, it seems like they're going to give Mike White a go for the rest of the season, but it puts even more pressure on Zach Wilson. Things have been very ugly, frankly, of late uh, with Zach Wilson in New York. Can you just kind of tell us a little bit about that particular market and the heat that comes with playing with the number one market? in the country yeah i mean eyeballs are you you you're never at a lack for <laughs> eyeballs and stories and every major publication is in your locker room i mean i've been on some teams where you might have you know three or four media outlets at a practice especially if you're you know down in the dumps that year but you know in new york even when we were down in the dumps four and 12 things like that right like there still be 16 to 20 media personnel from all the major outlets in the, in the world, you know? And so um, the eyeballs and the pressure in New York are definitely, um, you know, unmatched. I mean, you know, it's definitely a lot of pressure to put on any quarterback and any player. And ultimately what we're going to see is, you know, can Zach bounce back from this, you know, can he retool in the off season? I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade. This season is not, you know, it's not his, right? Let's just—you need to go ahead and be focusing on what are you going to be doing this off season to come back and bounce back on on the NFL and you know prove everyone wrong at this point. So uh, we've seen it time and time again, and it's one thing that I saw obviously being there with Sam Darnold, and um, you know it's a lot of young quarterbacks come to the New York market, and and uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of pressure. You know the the they get compared to Joe Namath right off the bat. And it's part of it's not fair, but, you know, it's also the NFL. It's it's what we all have to live under. And, and um, again, I hope he gives himself a chance to, to go through this offseason, retool and, and work on himself mentally as well, too, uh, because, you know, you can easily, especially in the New York market, where you're going to see your highlights all the time or your lowlights all the time, uh, mentally when he steps on the field, there's probably a lot more nerves than he's ever played with at this point because he's afraid to make a mistake. He's afraid of what they're going to say about me this week. He's afraid of answering incorrectly in the post-media press conference. And, and you know, unfortunately, uh, that's no way to, to live. Uh, he'll have to retool himself mentally so that he can come back and hopefully bounce back on, on this entire league. But we were talking about 10-year NFL vet Brandon Coburn. The last question I got before we get you out of here, Tua is once again in concussion protocol. You've been around the league for a decade now. How have you seen concussion protocol and how the league handles concussions change, if at all? Yeah. Oh, what a great question. I think that, um, you know, it's – as the old adage goes, it's different strokes for different folks, right? Um, <laughs> when you're trying to make a playoff run, I think one, let, let me take a little onus off the lead. One, as players, we have more ownership over those decisions than ever before, right? Michael, you know my granddad, so, you know, he had no ownership over those decisions. Those are just, you know, bad headaches, right? Um, my grandfather played for 11 years, so that's who I'm referring to for those who don't know. Um now as a player you have more ownership over those decisions and unfortunately especially at this time of the season when there's pressure to make the playoffs you've got not only an entire organization uh weighing on 
on you and your back and your ability to play, but you also have an entire city organization, you know, entire community that is trying to get you to play. And so, you know, the NFL, they have their different checks and, you know, protocols and stuff that he'll have to pass to come back. But, you know, hopefully that, that hopefully he does whatever he needs to do to make sure that he has longevity in his career because obviously he's gone down a couple of times this year and, and a few times this year in, in nasty ways. Um, but ultimately it's going to be on Tua to, to make that decision um, for himself, to protect himself, his family, and ultimately his career. You know, a couple more of these hits and, and you know, there's real doctors, I will say. There are a couple more of these hits and there are real doctors who will say, hey, you, you, you need to pack it up. So, so I hope that he protects himself. Brandon, before we let you go, I just want to follow up on that really quick, which is if as a player, when you see something like that in a locker room, how does that affect you? Uh, you mean, sorry, you mean when I'm on his team? or you Like, yeah, if you're, on, if you're on his player? team, like how does that affect you? Yeah, I mean, when you're on your team, you got two, it's a dichotomy, right? Part of you is hoping it's not that big a deal because you know he gives you the best chance to win. And like I said, him playing, you know, that means – playoff checks that means more money for my family and I that means we keep to keep winning keep growing as a team and organization we get the city excited so there's that dichotomy and then also on the flip side the the bigger dichotomy right is the hey like is he okay <laughs> like is he is he acting like himself right like those are the questions when you have the conversations with him is he doing his normal routine uh you know hey did I, did I just see him stumble over there right and so I think that you know as a as a friend and a teammate Right. That's the bigger thing that that weighs on your mind is like, you know, again, as a business, it's like, hey, we know he's our guy. Right. But then you also as a, a teammate, you're you're more checking on your brother. You're checking on your friend. Like, are you are you OK? Right. Like um, and then the, the final thing that I'll add to that is, you know, it also depends on what your backup situation is like. You know, there are teams where they have backups who you trust and have faith in. And you're just like, hey, take your time, get back. And we won't keep the the this show going until you come back, and and your seat will be warm, right? So I think that you know, again, it, for for them right now, they're going through a, a number of different things in their mind. But ultimately, we all understand the way we should be thinking, which is, hey, how can we make sure that that you know we protect him as a person first and foremost. Brandon, thank you so much for taking some time today with us. Have a great no New Year, and we'll talk soon, my man. Sounds good. Y'all take care. Happy New Year. That was 10-year NFL veteran Brandon Copeland joining us on Barton Hahn along with Amber Wilson. I'm Michael Rothstein. Barton Hahn is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. And Amber, I think what we heard there at the end from, from Brandon about Tua and how teammates will view that. That's something I think doesn't get talked about a lot because they see this and they know it could happen to them also. Like I can't imagine, and Brandon kind of explained it, what that's like. I agree with you that they see it and they're internalizing it uh, in in some regard as, as it could happen to me, but we keep talking about it throughout the show. Like It's very hard for these guys to police themselves and it's very hard for their teammates to please them because they are in this peculiar situation as well, where they're also relying on all of their starters being healthy in order to accomplish goals. Right. And so do you trust the locker room is going to notice these things and always have the player's best interest when you know, everybody in that locker room knows, Hey, we're out here trying to make a postseason or out here trying to make 
a postseason run, depending where the stakes are for your team. And so there's the individual contracts that these players are themselves trying to obtain. They're concerned about their own futures. But the wins and the losses matter towards those futures as well, Michael. And so that's the problem with the locker room and and with these players policing themselves and with these players policing each other is that it's a tall ask because of the stakes when it comes to their careers, because of the stakes when it comes to the postseason and what these teams are trying to accomplish And they know what happens if they were to rat out another player, essentially, because of symptoms they see, right? If if that player is not uh, being that forthcoming themselves. But absolutely, it affects the locker room. I think everybody wants the best for these players. It's just hard to imagine how to handle this properly each and every single time if you are leaving it up to the players. Although I did appreciate that Brandon said there, like some of the responsibility does have to be on the players themselves. And you did see to a self-report. On Monday, you know, you have seen Kenny Pickett self-report during a game. So we have seen players. Ben Roethlisberger did it before Kenny Pickett did it yeah. with that same organization. Like we have seen players do it and feel comfortable doing it. But you and I keep talking about it. it's a lot easier to do that as a quarterback because you got more job security than some of these other positions. Right. And the guys that we're talking about other than Kenny Pickett also have a lot of money already invested that they have already made. By the way, Brandon Copeland was referring to his grandfather, Roy Hinton, who did play 11 years in the NFL. What he said that struck me was that his grandfather did not have a choice. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, put some salt, rub some salt on it, get the smelling salts and, and go on your way and keep playing. They didn't know what we know now. And, and that's another thing that I think, like Brandon said, that's where the onus on the players, I think, is actually a positive because if they're understanding what's going on enough, they can maybe make that decision for themselves. But also, that's why having independent neurologists and having the spotters are also really important. Robert Griffin III, our ESPN NFL analyst, was on Monday Night Monday Night Football Countdown last night, and he said he doesn't believe Tua should be back this year. For him to play an entire half of football yes. with a concussion and it be unnoticed I mean, that's just really concerning. It's frightening. We've seen guys retire due to head injuries, whether it be Luke Keekley. I had a teammate, Jordan Reed, who's on pace to be one of the greatest tight ends ever, who had to retire because of concussions. So when I think about this with Tua, I agree with Boog. He shouldn't play anymore this season. They'll say, hey, he's only had two because the first one wasn't uh, a head injury. But we all saw visibly that he was shaken. Uh, So I just I just hope they do right by Tua in this situation. And, you know, he's going to want to play because as players, we want to play. But take care of the person over the player. Do what's right for his family for the long term future. Amber, it's interesting because every person that we've had on to talk about this has said the same thing. And you and I have said it, too. Person first than player. That has to be how everybody approaches this. Person first, then player. Uh, It's a nice sentiment. It's one that we all agree with. I I do think, though, that it is a little interesting when we talk about the Tua situation. You hear people saying things like we just heard RG3 say, like he should hang it up for the rest of the season. A lot of people say, hey, he should call it a career. And yet, for some reason, we don't hear that about other guys who also have had multiple concussions in a season. And I wonder if some of that, Michael, is because of the injury history of Tua. And the injury history of Tua goes far beyond head injuries, right? I mean, the concussion thing is a huge story this season, but I do wonder, is there some semblance of the fact that like he had the injuries in college? I mean, frankly, he had a short college career. If you really look at it overall, Herm Edwards mentioned that uh, when he was on with us earlier in the show. And of course, we all remember the catastrophic hip injury that cost him the rest of his final season there at Alabama. And so you come into the league already with those questions, and he's a smaller quarterback, already with those questions about his durability. And then you come to a team that 
that historically has had terrible O-lines each and every season, no matter how many darn times we have tried to address it uh, in the NFL draft. Me speaking there as a Dolphins fan, uh, it's a frustration for every Dolphins fan, though, Michael. And so now, of course, you don't have the protection around an undersized quarterback, arguably, who's injury prone. And now we're seeing this and now we're seeing head injuries, which, of course, are much more concerning. So I do wonder if that's part of the narrative that happens with Tua where the reason the noise is so loud around this particular player is because we're taking kind of the injury history as a whole. I, I would agree with that, and I'd also say this. I, I think two is getting a lot of attention, but it has happened before. Javid Best was with the Detroit Lions. If you remember, he played at Cal. He had a he had kept getting concussions. It was year over year over year, and they forced him to retire also. It's not the first time that we've seen this. I think right now, because there's so much attention around brain injuries, and concussions that it's more amplified as well. Coming up, we're going to bring in somebody who's very passionate and knowledgeable about the subject of concussions and brain injuries. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Bart and Han. This is Bart and Han on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and you can listen to us on your smart speaker as well. Alongside Amber Wilson, I'm Michael Rothstein, filling in for Bart and Han here today on the last week of 2022. Bart and Han, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. And Amber, we've been talking for a good portion of today's show for the last four and a half hours that we have been on about Tua and about him being back in concussion protocol and what all of this means. We, we talked to Brandon Copeland, a 10-year NFL player about it. We talked to Herm Edwards about it. Well, now we're going to go back to the phone lines. We're going to talk to Dr. Chris Nowinski, the CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, about what maybe all of this means and, and what maybe the NFL can do about it. Chris, thank you for taking some time here on this holiday week to join us. And Chris, that's where I want to start. The way the NFL's protocols are set up right now, because there are questions about whether they should have caught this earlier with Tua or not, are they sufficient? 
Well, their their protocols are designed for for the way the players want them, uh, and the way the NFL wants them, which is to say, players do not want to be removed when they don't have concussions, and they don't want to be diagnosed when they don't have concussions, and so a lot of things um, are, are become gray. This is a situation, though, where I, I have not seen any footage of any obvious signs that Tua showed that uh, would have suggested that the, the spotter should have called down, stopped the game, and pulled him out. So, really, if he didn't report anything and we didn't see anything, uh, you know, the, we're now looking at his stats after that his head hit the ground, and, and could that have suggested a concussion, which you know, people have bad second halves. So it's really hard to say that anybody should have caught this. Uh, Doc, uh, Dr. Chris Nowinski on with the CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation. And Doc, with the Tua situation, uh, it feels like the noise is extra loud because, of course, we're talking about a player that seemingly here has maybe suffered three concussions in a single season. But you mentioned there that third one, not obvious. And the other one, the first one, where I believe the Dolphins still technically deny that that was a concussion, that one seemed like maybe the most obvious to all of us. How difficult is it to look for the physical signs of a concussion and make that determination? Or is it possible that some of this onus needs to be on the players themselves? themselves and would they always feel a concussion at the time like does it make sense that Tua didn't necessarily feel it in game but woke up the next morning with symptoms yeah a great question so you know symptoms are very frequently delayed by a day you know if if you're hit so hard that you have a brain injury it's it's such trauma to your body that you can imagine having been through this a lot you get an adrenaline rush because you're you're in survival mode you're in the middle of a, a, a battle on the field so you may not notice that that you know brain injuries can be very subtle, and so no, it, it's no surprise that he probably thought I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. They woke up the next day, he goes, gosh, you know what? I'm definitely not fine, and and we should applaud him for self-reporting. Uh, you know where where I think the protocol, you know, again, this is the protocol the players want, but where I think it's a bad example for the public is that we don't treat on-field signs nearly as seriously as we should at the other levels of sport. So the reality is players, uh, you know, symptoms are delayed, sure, but also, yes, players do not want to get diagnosed with concussions. They don't want to report because they, uh, you know, if you're not a top star, if you're out for concussion, you risk losing your job. And it happens all the time that your replacement, you know, wins your position. You never come back. And so when, basically, you know, having spoken to hundreds of NFL players about this, everybody is hiding every concussion they possibly can in just about every situation. And when they actually show, when, when something breaks through and they actually show signs on the field, like they get up and they fall over, like 100% of the time, in my mind, you know, we should treat that as concussion and not return them. Right now, those players will often or historically have gone to the sideline and, and been cleared because your balance will come back in a minute or two. Your cognition, you know, can come back very quickly. And, and so we're sort of giving chance guys a chance to recover. The blue 10 is sort of like a standing 10 count in boxing where it gives you a chance to recover and get back if you really want to. And so probably too many guys are returning who, who shouldn't. And, and that, but yes, the September 25th thing was, was an abomination. You know, the one sign that's a hundred percent of the time a concussion is when players try to shake off the cobwebs. You know, we've all done it. There's no reason why you'd ever do that unless you have a concussion. So that one is a mistake that is now haunting Tua and haunting this team. But really, it's Tua's paying the price. We're talking to Dr. Chris Nowinski, the CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation here on Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. And Chris, 
we talked a little bit about self-reporting. You've said over and over, guys don't want to get diagnosed with concussions. Is there a way to change that narrative and get guys to be more comfortable with saying, hey, no, listen, something's not right. I need to report this. How do you fix that? Well, it, it's not. It, well, the problem is in the NFL, it's not a fixable problem. So, we, you know, there is education now and self-reporting rates for the concussions diagnosed in the NFL have gone up considerably over the last decade. So that's all good. But the reality is when you actually do surveys of players anonymously, and there's one really good study of college players done by Christine Baugh years ago that found that basically one out of every 27 times that they had concussions, did they have concussions diagnosed? Uh, basically, the idea is, you know, there are more you know, players get hit in the head and have their bell rung, get dinged, or have 30 seconds of, of memory issues or vision issues more more times <laughs> than um it would be allowed to have everybody actually sit out. You'd basically run out of players on the field if every time somebody got dinged or a really mild concussion, we pulled them out. So it really becomes a judgment situation. That's that's just the reality of the dangers of this game. That's certainly the reality of the dangers of this game. Entering uh, this week, week 16, there have been 125 NFL players with reported concussions this season. So you can imagine where the reality of that number is then based on the statistic, the statistics that you just mentioned. Talk to me a little bit, though, Doc, about repeated concussions, because this situation with Tua, now we're looking at potentially a third concussion. There's been some other players that have had multiple concussions this season. Is it the danger of the concussions adding up, or does it only take one? Well, one concussion can change your life. Um, you know, I, my, in my personal experience, what, you know, I've played football at Harvard and wrestled for WWE and had a concussion and ended my career. I was fine for every hit to the head I ever took until the last one. The last one happened to be six weeks after another one that was, that was undiagnosed because I never reported it. Multiple concussions in a short period of time is sort of the recipe for worse long-term symptoms. So I've never been the same after a concussion in June 2003. Uh, and, and what we worry about for Tua is his resilience to recovering from concussions it, it trends towards being diminished. So concussions, the more concussions you have, the longer they tend to take to recover and the worse the symptoms can be and the more likely you are to have to retire from them. But it's not always the case. So I remember I was just reading an article this morning about we all predicted Sidney Crosby would have to retire because he had to miss most of the season with a concussion, but he's still playing, you know, 11 years later. So it's not the end of the road for Tua, but, uh, you know, you do not want to keep getting these types of injuries because uh, you may not be able to bounce back. Chris, thank you so much for taking some time today and explaining and I think hopefully educating a lot of people on what's going on right now with concussions and brain injuries in the NFL. My, my pleasure, Michael. Good talk to you, Amber. Take care, guys. That was Dr. Chris Nowitzki, the CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your auto care needs. They're close, convenient, and known for guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. And we close the show by talking more about what Chris just talked about. Tua, concussions, and what this could all mean for his future and maybe even for the future of the Dolphins. That's next on Barton Hahn, ESPN Radio.
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Bart and Han. Never a bad thing to come into a segment with a little bit of Elton John. This is Bart Hahn on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM Channel 80 alongside Amber Wilson. I'm Michael Ross. We've been filling in for Bart and Hahn all day today. Next week, you'll start hearing Harry and Fitz in this spot. That's our buddies Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas. So you can hear Amber Wilson starting next week on her new show, Amber and Joe starting. That'll be up from Ooh, 7 Amber to and 9 Joe. Years. I like that you made it Amber and Joe. Uh, you technically know. Joe and Amber. We're working on it. I'm still talking to the people. Uh, they're not budging yet. Right now, Joe and Amber. Every weekday. Uh, well, after you know, January 3rd, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Just going to try to, you know, mix it up, flip it around. ESPN Radio has got you covered for bowl game action. Tune in tonight for the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And Amber, last segment we heard from Dr. Chris Nowinski, the CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation. He talked a lot about what the NFL has done, what they've tried to do, and really kind of the un undoable, I guess, would be the best way to phrase that. I don't think that's actually English, but we're going to go with it, of the concussion situations in the NFL. The most interesting thing that I thought he said was he talked about how players just really, they don't want to deal with any of it. They don't want to report it. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just an injury thing or do you think there's something deeper there? Well, I think it's the risk to your career. And we've talked about it on today's show. And if you miss anything, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app where these guys, I mean, the average NFL player is in the league for roughly three years. These guys aren't making the hundreds of millions of dollars typically that we see some of these guys in the league make like the Russell Wilsons of the world, right? Those are the outliers. Those are the exceptions. If you only have a few years to make your money and that's going to be the highest earning potential, most likely that you're going to have for the rest of your entire life. And you're not talking necessarily about hundreds of millions of then yes, you're probably trying to stay on the field and earn every single dollar you have 
And you can during the very short window that you're able to. And so because of that, you're not going to risk your career in any way while you're out there. And so you're not going to be likely to self-report and tell your team. Now, again, we have seen some self-reporting, but it's coming from the Tua Tungvaluas of the world. He deserves a lot of credit because he's also playing for a contract as well. And he's also risking things. And the noise has certainly been very loud and critical around the way that the Dolphins have handled him when it comes to concussions this season. So he deserves credit, I think, Michael, for going to team doctors on Monday and saying, hey, I am having these symptoms, but it is probably a different vantage point when he does it versus somebody else at a lesser position far deeper on the roster, them doing it when they're only going to be in the league for a few years. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is that we're talking about tackle football. And the reality is, Michael, that I told you I cited 125 players so far up to this week have reportedly had concussions. Those are the ones that are diagnosed. Like we don't even know two is in concussion protocol right now. We don't actually know if he had a concussion on some. Sunday, right? And then we're not talking about all the concussions that you heard referenced there in that interview with Dr. Nowitzki, where apparently most of them don't even ever get diagnosed. And so imagine what the number really is then of 125 guys in the league. And that's at the professional level, okay? The professional level is one thing because these guys are all getting paid handsomely for what they're, even if they're making league vet men, I mean, they're still making a lot more money than than the rest of America. And so they're getting paid handsomely for the risk that you're taking, you know, the risk that you're signing up for. Imagine the other levels below this and what happens in college ball or what happens in high school ball. It's not like the other levels of football don't have any sort of concussions. They don't just start when you get to the pros. And so this has been something that the game has been dealing with for as long as tackle football has has been around and these players have been dealing with for as long as they've been playing tackle football. The reality is I think concussions are kind of just part of the game to some degree and trying to create a world where like nobody ever gets a concussion or every single concussion is diagnosed might be an unrealistic expectation. The right expectation, sure, we all want players to be safe. But we are talking about this strange sport where concussions happen and then guys from a very low level are kind of accustomed to ignoring them. Yeah, I I agree with you. Listen, we're never going to see football, at least if you're playing tackle football, but even if it's flag football, without any concussions, because almost every sport, there's some level of concussion risk. You see it in soccer. You see it in hockey. You see it in cheerleading. You see it. In almost any field hockey, I, I worked with the field hockey team in college at Syracuse. You would see it there. It's just sometimes the nature and the reality of sports where there's any possibility of collision. I, what I thought was really interesting from Chris as well was that, as far as not being able, to, not wanting to report, like I think that there has to be more incentive to report. Like there has to be a way. I don't know what that way is. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But there are people on the league level and people like Chris that are smart enough to figure it out. Because on the college level and on the high school level, as you were talking about, Amber, the other problem is this. On the NFL side, you have the theoretically the best medical care out there. You don't have that on the college's side. Mm-hmm. You don't have that on the high school side. Some of these guys might be coming in to the pros or to high-level colleges with six, seven concussions that they don't know about. That's such a big issue when it comes to tackle football in today's day and age. Thanks for listening to the Barton Hahn Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen and watch the guys on the ESPN app. This is the Barton Hahn Podcast.